It will regulate and militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you're with us on the program today. We're going to be talking about the uh, shooting at the mall in Greenwood, Indiana, Sunday afternoon. Uh, There the headline from uh, Reuters, Indiana passerby hailed after shooting mall gunman. Yeah, so we know that about 6 o'clock yesterday afternoon, the Greenwood Park Mall in uh, Greenwood, Indiana, which is uh, basically a suburb or an exurb of uh, Indianapolis, right around the time the mall is closing, guy walks in to the food court area, armed with a rifle, multiple magazines, according to police, and he opens fire. Three people were killed. Two others were injured. But almost immediately, that attack was stopped by the presence of an armed citizen, a 22-year-old man with a handgun, legally owned, who returned fire and killed the suspect. In doing so, both the suspect and the armed citizen who stopped the attack violated the mall's policy on not bringing weapons onto the property. Yeah, Greenwood Park Mall was a gun-free zone. Mayor Mark Myers said, We do know that someone we're calling a good Samaritan was able to shoot the assailant and stop further bloodshed. This person saved lives tonight. I'm grateful for his quick action and his heroism. Uh, Reuters reporting that uh, Greenwood Police Department Chief Jim Eisen said on Sunday, the motive behind the shooting, not Known. Four female victims, one male victim. One of the victims, a 12-year-old girl who thankfully was not seriously injured. And as Reuters points out, the shooting comes just weeks after Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb signed a bill into law repealing the state's handgun permit requirement. Now, anybody who is at least 18 years of age or older who is not legally prohibited from possessing a firearm may generally carry a concealed handgun in public. But they say that law conflicts with the policy of Simon Property Group, the owner of the Greenwood Park Mall, which prohibits guns on its properties. The Indianapolis-based company was unavailable for comment today. According to Indiana Attorney General Todd Rakita, private businesses and property owners may restrict gun owners from carrying a weapon on their property, saying, quote, while it is generally not against the law to ignore a uh, no-firearm sign in a private business, you may commit criminal trespass for entering a business after you have been denied entry or have been asked to leave. Uh, that's what he said in the state's Gun Owners' Bill of Rights. So, you know, I've, I, I've seen a lot of folks, there's, of course, all the internet speculation. Well, this guy should be charged. He violated the mall's uh, policy. Well, as the Attorney General said, generally it's not a criminal offense unless, for instance, the mall uh, knows that you're carrying, asks you to leave, and then you come back. Then you could be cited for criminal trespass. But the idea that uh, this 22-year-old armed citizen is going to be facing criminal charges for acting to save lives, even though he violated the mall's policy, I don't think it's going to happen. To, to all those hoping and wishing that some you know message will be sent here by uh, charging the armed citizen who saved God knows how many people's lives on Sunday night. Uh, it doesn't sound like that's the way the law works in Indiana. And frankly, that's a good thing. Because what this case has shown us, among other things, is that another grim reminder that these gun-free zones don't work in terms of protecting innocent human life. 
because nobody who is intent on taking as many innocent lives as possible is going to be stopped or dissuaded by a policy that says you can't bring your guns inside. Right? We know this. This is common sense. Why on earth would we expect anything differently? And yet, we still have people clinging to this idea that simply barring guns uh, from various places is somehow going to stop crime from taking place uh, in those spaces. In fact, I mean, a perfect example is what we see going on right now in New York, where Governor Kathy Hochul and the New York Democrats have done their damnedest to try to turn the entire state into a sensitive place where concealed carry is not allowed, right? So not only public transportation, uh, Times Square was singled out, uh, but every private business in the state of New York has been declared a gun-free zone unless, in some cases, the business owners choose to opt in and allow for concealed carry. Many property owners are not going to have that option, by the way. The, the state does ban uh, concealed carry outright in, for instance, uh, restaurants in which alcohol or serve. So it doesn't matter if you're a restaurant owner and you want concealed carry holders to be welcome in your establishment. You're not allowed. You got to choose. Are you going to sell booze or are you going to allow uh, legal gun owners to lawfully carry on the premise? Right. And the goal here not only is to make as many publicly accessible spaces as possible, quote unquote, gun free, it is to restrict or curtail the number of individuals who will choose to get a carry license to begin with. If if they know, well, yeah, I get my license, but I can't carry anywhere, so what's the point? New York sees that as a win. You know, the Washington uh, Post reported just a couple of days ago on what we've seen in Maryland, where after Governor Larry Hogan instructed the state police to drop the justifiable need requirement for the concealed carry applications, applications themselves have increased by more than 11 Hundred percent. Yeah. In the two weeks following the Bruin decision, according to the Washington Post, actually, this is according to the Maryland State Police, more than 6,000 individuals applied for their concealed carry license. That same two week time period the year earlier, about 600 individuals had applied. And by the way, most of those 600 individuals, they were going to get turned down. I'm surprised that the number was that high a year ago because these justifiable need requirements again, are intended to inhibit the number of people who can lawfully carry. Now that those good cause requirements have been struck down, gun control advocates and anti-gun politicians are turning instead to things like the sensitive places language, right? Declaring that basically any place where the public can gather should be a sensitive place that is off limits to firearms. Which I guess maybe sounds good in theory to some people, but again, when you look at these types of targeted attacks, a gun-free zone is just a target-rich environment for those individuals intent on taking as many innocent lives as possible. And I have to say, I am glad that this 22-year-old chose to violate the policy of Simon Property Management and chose to carry a firearm with him when he went into that mall. Because if he had not been there, and actually I've talked to at least one other person 
uh, who has, this is all secondhand information, but I've spoken to one other individual who says they've spoken to somebody whose daughter was in the mall, and the daughter was also lawfully carrying, but was not in a position uh, where she could have made a a difference. Uh, She wasn't near the food court when uh, uh, this incident began. Thankfully, again, that 22-year-old was there. And I don't know what the body count would have been had mall patrons been forced to wait for a police response. But we do know, sadly, that those police responses can be delayed, not by seconds or even minutes, but by more than an hour while a situation like this is unfolding. So I have no doubt that lives were saved because of the presence of that armed citizen. And I have no doubt that if every legal gun owner in that mall on Sunday afternoon had chosen to abide by the uh, property owner's mandate to not bring weapons there onto the property, things would have gotten so much worse. Now, look, I do believe that private property owners have the right to bar firearms from their property. I, I, I believe that. I think it's a terrible idea. And I also think that Indiana handles it the right way. You know, New York, one of their provisions in their new laws is that if you violate this gun-free zone policy and you bring a firearm into a business that has not specifically allowed it, it's not a citation. It's not even a misdemeanor offense. It's a felony. It's a felony to do so. Prison time, the lifetime loss of your right to keep and bear arms, among other deprivations of your individual liberty, simply because you may have accidentally uh, brought a firearm into an establishment. There doesn't have to be any nefarious intent. Again, just the presence of that firearm alone is a felony offense under New York's new gun control laws, which likely means that uh, had this guy walked into a mall in New York yesterday afternoon instead of a mall in Indiana, he probably would not have been confronted by an armed citizen, not only because New York's May issue laws are are still largely in effect, uh, at least we haven't seen the flurry of uh, new licenses issued since the Bruin decision, but also, again, because New York is trying to chill the exercise of the right to bear arms by making the penalties for violating one of the myriad numbers of laws on the books such a serious offense that Many otherwise legal gun owners and law-abiding citizens will say, listen, it's not worth the risk for me to try to exercise my right to carry. Well, there's a risk if you don't. And unfortunately, in New York's case, I think what they're trying to do, well, fortunately for us, unfortunately for the state of New York, what they're trying to do is unconstitutional. Justice Clarence Thomas talked about in the Bruin decision the idea that you couldn't just declare the entire island of Manhattan a sensitive place, that when we are talking about a general right to carry a firearm for self-defense in public, that those sensitive places have to be the exception and not the rule. And it's not every place where, you know, uh, more than three people might be gathered can be deemed sensitive. Typically, again, what he was talking about were Uh, places where there's already a heightened level of security, which is one of the reasons you know it's a sensitive place, right? Because 
uh, it's treated as such. Whether we're talking about, you know, magnetometers at the door or armed guards, there's something to indicate, okay, this place is different. If the only thing that makes a a space, quote-unquote, sensitive is the designation that it's a gun-free zone, uh, Justice Thomas has indicated that's not going to fly. Again, this is not going to change the, uh, the, the, the debate that we will continue to have in this country uh, over our right to keep and bear arms, uh, the utility of exercising that right, the need uh, for such a right in 2022, and those who insist that we would all be better off if every place had the same gun-free zone policy that the Greenwood Park Mall had. I just don't buy it. I don't, because we are asking, in that case, irrational individuals, if not evil individuals, to behave in a rational manner, to see that sign and say, oh, I'm not allowed to come in here. I guess I'll go away then, which, to the best of my knowledge, has never happened when it comes to gun-free zones and targeted attacks. So I hope this does prompt a debate over the efficacy of gun-free zones. I would love to see them go away. I don't believe they do any good, uh, particularly, again, when they are defined so broadly as to prevent or uh, preclude uh, the average armed citizen from being able to carry in average places that do not have all of the additional layers of security Uh, that go into making a place, quote-unquote, sensitive. Let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, which, by the way, is we've got another one for you. Uh, Our uh, good deed of the day, our recidivist report, will start there, Chicago, Illinois. Now, I don't actually know if any of these suspects have previous criminal histories, although it's probably a good guess. But this story is just so unbelievably bananas. They had to talk about it. From the website, CWB Chicago, Chicago police supervisor orders cops to stop chasing a carload of murder suspects. Yeah. And it is as bad as the headline would indicate. This was a Sunday afternoon. There was a, a shooting about 4.50 Sunday afternoon in Chicago. Uh, an officer assigned to the uh, local police district's uh, technology center reported that uh, shot spotter had detected 10 shots fired. Officer went on to describe a white Dodge Charger with a black hood that three men exited from and then opened fire. Moments later, the tech center broadcast physical descriptions of the three individuals who returned to their car. An officer arrived on scene said it appeared the victim was dead. Three minutes later, another CPD tech center provided the Charger's license plate number and said the car had been reported stolen. Other officers then noted that a similar car was involved in a shots fired incident earlier in the day that resulted in no injuries. And then eight minutes after the shooting, a patrol unit spotted the charger. They engaged the vehicle for two minutes. They pursued that vehicle. During that time, according to CWB Chicago, officers confirmed that the shooting on California Street would be a 0110, which is code number for murder. A supervisor then chimes in, we're sure this is the shooter. The dispatcher confirms it's the vehicle that was captured on POD, meaning police observation device. Shortly after 5 p.m., about 10 minutes after the shooting took place, the Charger and the Chicago police officers pursuing the vehicle crossed the city line from Chicago into Cicero, Illinois. 
which many history buffs know is the uh, home of Al Capone. The Chicago police supervisor then immediately terminates the chase. Stop. Stop the chase. Even though officers were saying, listen, these are murder suspects. On the radio, a stunned officer said the car is wanted, the car wanted for the murder. Another officer said, quote, this department is a joke. As CWB Chicago notes, the Chicago Police Department introduced a new vehicle pursuit policy in August of 2020, providing officers with 11 pages of instructions that they must consider when deciding if a vehicle should be pursued. And it specifically states that the CPD will not discipline any member of the force for ending a motor vehicle pursuit, although they very well could be disciplined for continuing one. So the thumb is on the scale here, right, in deciding what to do if you have a uh, a car full of suspects. The idea is don't chase them. Uh, And that apparently, again, is what the uh, Chicago police supervisor said. The shooting victim in this case, a 56-year-old man whose identity has not been released, um, died as a result of his injuries. Police have no suspect information other than the car that they were driving at the time, which was reported stolen and I'm sure has been ditched now. No arrests have been made. And at a time, by the way, in which arrests for violent crimes in Chicago is at an all-time low, I hope to God the media asks why on earth a supervisor with the Chicago Police Department is waving officers away from pursuing a car full of murder suspects. Now, today's armed citizen story, St. Louis, Missouri. A story, by the way, that I think probably could have gotten some national attention were it not for the uh, armed citizen at the Greenwood Park Mall in Greenwood, Indiana, because the media doesn't really like covering armed citizen stories. If there's something extraordinary, like, again, an armed citizen stopping a mass shooting, they'll cover it. But generally speaking, I don't think they like these stories. Sends the wrong message. Well, here's Fox News. St. Louis man shoots and kills robbery suspect while stopping at a gas station for a bathroom break. And as it turns out, this guy, also the suspect, not the armed citizen, uh, all suspected in a, quote, violent crime spree. St. Charles Police Department said that they were already investigating an armed robbery at one gas station and a burglar at another when they received reports of shots fired at a quick trip location about 22 miles outside of St. Louis. St. Charles Police in a uh, Facebook post said the police officers arrived to discover the suspect had been shot by a citizen during the armed robbery. Suspect was transported to local hospital where he was pronounced dead. Police said the armed citizen in question, a 26-year-old man from St. Louis, said that he had just stopped at the gas station to run in and use the bathroom and pick up something from the store. He said after he left, he was walking back to his car and he saw a black SUV pull up in front of the store. Saw the suspect exit and then go into the store while holding a backpack. And then he said he saw the suspect drag a female employee to the front counter while holding a knife to her throat. Police say the witness retrieved his 9mm handgun, entered the store, and confronted the suspect. The suspect grabbed his backpack and told the witness, I have something for you. Suspect then comes out from around the counter and approached the witness who fired several times at the suspect who fell to the floor. The uh, armed citizen and the clerk both calling 911. When police arrived, they noted that the black SUV had been reported stolen on Friday. Inside the vehicle were items that they believed had been stolen from the second gas station. A uh, black SUV had also been reported the scene when the first gas station was robbed. During that robbery, the suspect held, uh, said to have held a knife to a clerk's throat while she emptied cash registers before he got in the vehicle 
and drove off. Police did not release the suspect's identity. They say the investigation is ongoing. Uh, the armed citizen in this case, again, I don't think is going to be uh, facing any charges, uh, even if the investigation is still currently underway. This appears to be a clear-cut case of defense of another, uh, and really going above and beyond. I mean, the eyewitness there could have called 911 and waited outside, said, I'm, I'm just going to wait here and watch and see what happens. But believing that that clerk's life was in danger, he put his own life at risk to save hers. And um, I got to tell you, I hope, we, I hope we end up knowing a little more about uh, both this armed citizen as well as the 22-year-old who stopped the shooting at the uh, Greenwood Park Mall there in Indiana. Finally today, our good deed of the day, Boston, Massachusetts, where an off-duty firefighter in the right place at the right time, wasn't able to do the right thing to save a baby that had been dropped out of a window. This was, um, this was a, a, a Sunday morning, about 7 o'clock. Uh, two families left homeless, half a million dollars in damage, but thankfully, no loss of life. James McDonald lives next door. He said he woke up to an electrical burning smell coming through his air conditioner. He said, I know exactly what that means. He said, I immediately got up, turned off my air conditioner. He said, I was kind of panicked because I thought my house was experiencing an electrical short. It wasn't. He then uh, went outside and he said, I opened the back door towards the house next door and there was a wall of flames. Big flames. He says it wasn't a little fire. It was big. So James then woke up his brother, Colin. They called 911, and then the brothers tried to stop the flames by using garden hoses before firefighters arrived. He said, I opened the back door, I looked, and I went, whoa. Trapped on the second floor of the home, a mother and her child. One of the tenants on the first floor of this house, an off-duty firefighter there in Boston. And he was drawn outside after uh, he heard a commotion. He said he saw a woman on the second floor holding a baby. Uh, Boston Fire Commissioner Paul Burke says she hung out the window and dropped the baby to him. Um, the uh, fact that he went to that location where the baby was, Burke said, where the woman was, it was amazing he got there as fast as he did with these smoke conditions around him. He got there just in the nick of time. Child's mom had to jump from the window as well. She was injured jumping from the second story. The child's father was able to escape via another route. Uh, both of their injuries are expected to be non-life-threatening. Again, the uh, baby was uninjured and unharmed thanks again to the uh, quick thinking and the fast action of the uh, off-duty boston firefighter who was able to uh make the catch of a lifetime that is going to do it for this edition of bearing arms cam and company i want to thank you for being a part of the program as always we will be back tomorrow with another edition same place you find this one Rumble, YouTube, all of the major podcast platforms. I'd also encourage you to check out BarryandArms.com throughout the day because we are going to be updating the website with the latest Second Amendment news and information that you need to know about. And there's a lot these days, honestly. We are in a supercharged moment for the Second Amendment, and we are doing our best to cover it all for you at BarryandArms.com. If you like what you see, you can always become a VIP subscriber as well. Just use the promo code GUNRIGHTS when you go to BarryandArms.com slash subscribe, and you'll get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying thanks, we're going to give you Exclusive content, news stories, analysis, stuff you won't find anywhere else. Because your support does matter, and it really does make a difference. Thanks again. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.